0: Welcome to episode 226 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This show was recorded on Sunday, 29th of September, 2019.
1: The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to JensenUSA.com slash the spokesman. Hey, everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at www.thefredcast.com. I'm one of the hosts and producers of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and all sorts of other information, please visit our website at wwwthe
0: And now, here are the spokesmen. Hi there, I'm Colton Reed, and I'm bringing you this episode of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast shortly after the finish of the Men's Elite Road Race at the World Championships in Harrogate, Yorkshire. Excuse the audio, but I'm recording just outside the media room and I'm just about warmed up after today's race and I was sheltering in the press tent. Today's show is a two-halfer. I'll start... With two bits of audio, I grabbed at the World Championships, and that's a Swift interview with, uh, okay, Ben Swift. Listen carefully, and you'll hear his teeth chattering. And I also caught up with Chris Boardman as he came away from the BBC tent. As well as talking about today's racing, I also asked Chris about his controversial... It really shouldn't be controversial. His controversial decision not to wear a helmet while shown cycling on an ordinary bike on telly. For the second half of the show, I'm dropping in a pre-recorded interview with Steve Craddock, an inspirational fundraiser for the Help for Heroes charity, which is still pretty much bicycle based. But first, here's Ben Swift, seconds after finishing today's wet and cold race. By the way, he came 31st out of 46 finishers, and there was about 120, 130 uh, DNFs in that uh, in race. It was brutal. Anyway, he was six and a half minutes behind the new world champion, Denmark's Mads Pedersen. Hi Ben, that was severe.
2: Yeah definitely, it was, a, it was a really tough day out there. Uh, I think it'd probably look quite cool on some of the photos and stuff like that but it actually got really cold there as well towards the end and you know when it's already cold like that and you know you need to start stripping off getting ready to the finish and stuff but uh, yeah we gave it our good shot so. Was it hard
0: even by Yorkshire standards as a
2: Yorkshire man? No it definitely was, it was cold I'm pretty freezing now and you know it was quite windy in times and it was uh, a lot of big deep puddles out there which made it quite quite difficult and this climb here, this finishing circuit, sorry, was was really difficult but the steep climb is at Old Bank Road or, or something was, uh, yeah that was really hard. How did it compare to other World Championship races that you've done? Uh, yeah, I think it's perhaps the hardest one that I've done. Each one's been a little bit different. You know, Qatar was pan flat and the crosswinds in uh, pretty warm weather. Uh, the thing that you had here was like really short, punchy climbs, which in this weather made it really difficult. What was the sport like out on the road? When I didn't oh, it was inc- incredible. Uh, I think it was just the atmosphere was building and building and I think it was amazing to see so many people in bearing this sort of like pretty bad weather. So yeah, thanks to them.
0: Did you think about giving up at any point? Hardly any riders have finished.
2: No, you don't wanna you don't wanna give up, you go until you can't go no more and that's pretty much what I did, so. One of the other
0: voices you heard asking questions there was Helen Pidd, the Guardian's North of England correspondent. Because she covers Manchester, she does lots of stories with BBC commentator and Greater Manchester's walking and cycling champion, Chris Boardman, who I managed to grab as he finished his BBC stint from the World Championships. How's that going to do for Yorkshire's uh, PR out around the world? A bit of a brutal day,
3: wasn't well, it? Well, I think it was dramatic. It was like how we like to refer to it, um, how we come to refer to it all week. And it depends how you want to think of it. I mean, it was dramatic um, scenes for the whole week we've had a bit of everything we've had some great racing Uh, it's not like we haven't seen rain in a world championship before I think it's the first time it's ever been shortened I don't recall it happening before but ultimately 250 million people watched this around the world um, and it was great some surprise results some fantastic sporting achievements
0: because they gave up at the end there, didn't they, the, the peloton? They gave up quite quickly, which is because they were so cold coming through well, they when were ch- you're talking to them. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, in a, a world championships, something like this, it's always the same. You get, I thought there'd be about 50 finishes because there's nothing in it for you. There's no stage tomorrow. Why would you? Uh, and these are, vast majority of these are pro riders. They don't do it just for the honour of, you know, they've done that already. Um, but for, it's, it's fascinating the way the tactics worked out. There's a lot of similarities throughout all the road races where fatigue played as big a part as the form book. Um, because people just of, ran because out. Of of steam.
0: Punchy hills and it
3: was just. Well, there's no flat. And no. There's nowhere where you can get. I'll get over this climb and I'll sit in the wheels and recover. There's just nothing. And so it was. Uh, it was incredibly hard. But I think Lizzie Dignan summed it up when she said, "I know I'm going to feel awful all day." because you don't feel good on these roads and I think in a, it's an advantage that I'm prepared for that and she was right
0: because mm. Ben Swift was through there and he was just his chief man they were chattering they always the couldn't
3: interview. talk you know coming yeah. in on anyone it's like being that cold but they barely couldn't get any words out um, and everybody was just completely spent and it's a course where there was something of a cliche but there wasn't anywhere to hide you know you, you as soon as you, you're fatigued there's just things that are going to push you out the back and it's over mm. Mm. So there you go. One last word. The helmet thing. That's kicked off again on Twitter. Well, and- it always will. Um, it's a it's, it's hard position for me to take. Um, and I, I'm anxious about it every time because if I just conform and do what everyone else does, then I'm promoting something that I don't, not only do I believe in, I think it actually does harm. But as you know, it's a nuanced argument uh, in unintended consequences. Um, we just need to be in a place where you ride a bike in normal clothes, doing normal things, and that's not seen as a terrible thing. It's what I want for my kids, um, and it's why I'm going to stand up for it. I had a conversation with my wife on the phone and just said, I'm going to have to find a way to do this work without wearing a helmet, but also without having to go and ride a bike or do something else. Uh, and oddly for her, she said, no, keep doing it. If you actually look at the feed, people are starting to realise it's not just black and white uh, and it's really important that we make this look safe and we'll save more people if we do that Um, and so that made me do it you know stick with it really.
0: Thanks to Chris Borman there and now here's the second half of the show an online interview I did with Help for Heroes fundraiser and N Plus One cyclist Steve Craddock and we did that interview about a week ago Uh, but before we get into that I have uh, two points uh, to raise if I remember rightly at one point Steve mentions weebles. A Weebles, a 1970s, perhaps even 1980s toy, which you couldn't push over because it had a fat base. We also talked about The Likely Lads, a 1970s comedy set in the north-east of England. Hi, Steve. Uh, your nickname is Geordie Steve, but you're not in Newcastle. I'm in Newcastle. You're not in Newcastle. Where are you, Steve? I'm down in Chatham in Kent. Okay, but the Geordie means you were born in the northeast. Uh, oh, I'm a, yeah, I'm a Geordie. I was born up in Newcastle,
1: uh, and I lived there from fifty seven to seventy four when I uh, joined the army.
0: Likely lads' time. It was the likely lads' time, uh, absolutely. And you joined the army to do what? What was your what was your original dream about going in? What did you want to become? And then what did you eventually? Leave as? Um, well, I just wanted to get away from Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Don't say that. It's a lovely place. Uh, it is now. <laughs> yes. 74, maybe it not so much.
1: It wasn't when yeah. I was there. And it was yeah, really just yeah. away. And um, I joined the Royal Engineers, um, spent um, almost 15 years in the Corps, and um,
0: left as a, a sergeant. And I was reading your biography. You've got some pretty grisly stuff there about you served in Northern Ireland and you were basically with with the bomb squad. Uh, Not the bomb squad. As a Royal Engineer,
1: Um, part of your job is search. Um, We would do the search, find any weapons or or, um, IEDs or anything like that, and then that would be handed over to the silly buggers that want to go down there and uh, try and disarm it. Um, so we weren't, weren't bomb squad as such, but we were what's called search teams.
0: But reading the biography, you were saying you, you, you did see some pretty horrible stuff. Yes.
1: Um, anybody who really – I did multiple tours in Northern Ireland. Uh, one of them was a two-year tour. Um, and anybody that served there during the mid-70s through to uh, 1990 will have um, seen some pretty horrendous things, you know what I mean, when a bomb goes off um, – and people are caught up in it. It does tend to make a mess of them.
0: And we're kind of hoping that we don't go back to those days at the moment. A, that's kind of resonant yeah. politically right now. No, nope. I won't get into that. But so to, because this is a cycling podcast, so so the, uh, we're not talking about your your army career as such. We are talking about what happened after your army career. So give us a thumbnail sketch of why we're talking to you on a cycling podcast. So what, how, how did cycling change your life? Um, when I came out of the Army, um,
1: I sort of carried on. I did very well in Civvy Street and um, um, I had lots of transferable skills as a, as a Royal Engineer into Civvy Street and ended up as a director of a, a security company and was doing very well. But there was something that was always in and In my mind, something something wasn't quite right. And then I had a um, a real bit of bad news where my um, brother committed suicide and it it, it triggered something inside me um, and it fired off a real bout of pretty bad mental health with um, a lot of what I'd saw in Northern Ireland and and other places um, um, flashing back into my mind. um, And it created an awful lot of problems for me. Um, It... Although I was operating I had a real mental health issue um, and which was called me causing me real problems and I, I tried to um, drown those problems away and alcohol and, and that sort of stuff um, and I ended up getting to about 19 stone now when you're only five foot six and you're 19 stone you're a you're a bit of a weeble um, and I was in a bad bad way um, I was diagnosed about 12 13 years ago with what they call PTSD. It's just a mental health problem, you know. You call whatever you want
0: to call it. post-traumatic stress That's disorder. Traumatic. You can look like at the end of the day. So this is a common, a common thing for ex-squaddies to have. Somebody who's been through some rough um, things. Yeah, I wouldn't say it. it's.
1: Yeah, the, the, lots of lads have problems. Can we say you know? What I mean, PTSD is uh, it's it's a terrible four letters to explain huge amounts of different mental health issues. So really. That's the only way I can put it because it, 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 people can understand that. But really, I had a mental health problem. Um, I was in a real physically bad state, um, which has made it even worse when you remember how well you were and how fit you were when you were in the army. And um, I was in a pretty, pretty low place, pretty low place. And Help for Heroes was formed, and I was I picked up on that, and and the, it was formed by having a, a, a bike ride. Um, through the battlefields in northern France. And they got 300 people to go and cycle through France as a way of uh, raising funds um, for Headley Court, which was the uh, Army Rehabilitation Centre near Leatherhead. And I saw this and I thought, do you know, I I wouldn't mind doing that. And the reason I I said that to myself, because I knew that my physical state was making my mental health far worse than it was. Um, And I thought, I'd like to do that. I was too late for that ride. Um, But I saw that and I went went out and bought myself a bike. I thought, well, I'm the only one that's going to be able to sort myself out. Uh, Because at the time, there was no real help um, for veterans um, with the problems that I had. Um, and I bought a bike and uh, I started riding. It was horrendous. It was really hard. But there was something a bit special about it because suddenly I was out on my own and I and, and I was out in the fresh air and I was looking around at things that really I hadn't seen for a long time. I'd gone past them, but I hadn't seen them because you were buried up in your own mind and your own problems. Uh, the following year, Help for Heroes did another bike ride, which I, I took part in. It was 350 miles um, from um, Normandy to Paris, and it killed me. It absolutely killed me. I couldn't get up most of the hills and and everything, you know, I mean, the normal climbing thing, but, you know, I was still about 18 stone, And but there was something about it again that I really absolutely loved, and from there, I just started pushing myself on my bike and um, got into the – um, the normal N plus one thing, um, and just loved bikes. And as I was doing that, I found my weight started to come off. My mental health started to improve. And the harder I pushed myself, the better I felt in my mind. And starting to find where, yes, it was still tough going up hills and you you were still quite heavy but it was making me feel better, and maybe the pain in the legs was taken away from some of the pain that I was feeling in my mind, and that went on, and um, I think it's been, as far as my mental health is concerned, it's been an absolute saviour, and it's something I absolutely love doing. It's just, to me, um, it's just the best thing I've ever done in my life, and what really gets me is a God, I wish I'd discovered this years ago, but I'd, I was 50 when I discovered cycling. You know, I'm 62 now, and um, I love it. I just I can't, can't think of anything better than belting along the road with the wind in your hair and, and looking out through the beautiful Kent countryside or through Normandy or as I've cycled through Burma, I've cycled in Zambia, um,
0: you know, I've cycled in a lot of places around the world, and,
1: and it just makes me happy
0: and your n plus one syndrome that you've got there what 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 did you start with and what have you got now i started i, I
1: bought um i can't remember what the thing was it was a steel lake um and i, I started to enjoy it and then i bought myself a, a special a specialized um cross bike which i liked and then i i bought myself um I was always getting better and better. I bought myself an S-Works Ruby with a row of our wheels and everything. Oh, you, you are?
0: <laughs> okay, you are going at any yeah, plus yeah, one and, here, uh, then, aren't you? Okay. Have, that <laughs> and then I
1: um, bought myself a Q Mountain bike um, to do some off-road stuff and really enjoyed that. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I bought a, a DASI Interceptor Graphene, um, which is just the most beautiful bike in the world. And I'll be driving it.
0: So, so these are obviously lightweight bikes. Yeah. Um, tell me about your weight. So you 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 were 18 stone. Yep. Tell me about the progression. How, how did you lose that weight? And, and if you don't mind me asking, where are you now? I'm now uh, just on a 13 stone. Um, and
1: the progression really was was just, and how I did it, was really just being a little bit sensible about what you're eating. Um. Mm-hmm. Not cutting anything up, and I, I don't believe in that. It, you know, it, what's the point? You know, I mean, one of the greatest things on a ride is, is finishing off and having a pint, um, and enjoying your food while you're doing it, and just being sensible about what you eat, um, and enjoying yourself. But just making sure that you get out on the bike, but also, you know, I mean, that doesn't just—it's not just bikes that lose the weight. You've got to do a bit of weight, weight or oh, resistance training and, and stuff like that in the gym, and of course. Getting fitter on the bike makes it easier for you to go into the gym, although I really detest it. But I use it for uh, developing my muscles and everything, and I find it makes it easier for me to get up the hills. You know, I'm not fast up the
0: hills, but I'll, there isn't a hill I'm, I'm now that I don't believe I can get. Up, I can't get up. When you go out riding, to your to others or to yourself, do you say I'm going out for a training ride, or do you say oh, I'm going out for just a ride? <laughs> how do you how do you consider it?
1: I just go, I'm going out for a ride, mm-hmm. and then you know. I mean, I know what I've got to do. I mean, there'll be times where I'll say, "Right, okay, I'm going to go for a, a bimble around," and then I'm going to do a bit of hill training. So I'll do some hill repeats. I've got a, a nice hill which is on a, a military road. So it's very lightly trafficked. Um, it's about five and a half, six percent average um, for about six hundred meters, um, and that's a cracking one. So I'll go and do five um, repeats of the hill in a, a relatively light gear so i'm spinning and then i'll go off do about 15 mile come back and i'll do uh, three or four repeats in a heavy gear so i do a little bit of weight training on the bike um and go off and then other times i'll just ride and i'll ride really slowly and then every hill i'll hit it as hard as i can so i make it up as i go along really
0: mm-hmm.
1: no you you, yeah yeah, you're thinking about it, though. You're not just well, if, you uh, know, I mean, bimbling if, along. To, you know, if you want to learn out, if you want to get up hill, learn how to ride up hills. You've got to ride up hills. You, you, you know, there's no substitute for gravity trying to pull you back, and you pushing against it. It's and I've, I've been out with hot chili in the Alps mm. and um, and things like that, and that killed me. You know, what I mean, they're proper hills, um, but you know, you, you, it makes you feel good. And um, next month, I'm off to Portugal. I'm going to cycle the length of Portugal. Um, from north to south, and uh, I think there's some like thirty thousand uh, feet of climbing on that. So we'll be doing that in five days. Um, so
0: that's going to be good fun. And do you go? You're saying we there? Do, do you when you ride locally? Are you just by yourself? Do you go out with people? What do you do most of the time? I go out on my own. I actually, I really enjoy that. But I set up a group,
1: a cycling group, um, a couple of years ago called No One Left Behind, mm-hmm. and it's a, a Sunday morning group where I encourage anybody, no matter what their weight, what their um, physical ability or, or, or anything is, is to come and join us, and we ride at the, the pace of the slowest. And, and, and one of the things we try and do is to build up the confidence on the road, build up their, their fitness, and... Um, and one of the aims is because every year I have my own sportive that I put on. I've just had the, um, this year's was the fifth I've had um, in in support of Help for Heroes. And we try and build them up to do that first sportive. Um, it's only 50 mile, but it's a massive um, landmark in a lot of people. And we've had uh, probably on average about 10, 12 people come. We get regular uh, people come who've never been really done anything on a bike before and we welcome them and say like okay we're going to go at your pace and we're going to, you're going to enjoy your ride um and so we just try and make it so cycling becomes accessible to people and they're not worried oh i can't keep up with those people you know what you can be like in in some um cycling clubs and and whatever they get the train going and you know, as much as they say nobody you know nobody no drop policy uh, the race off to the next junction, and then wait. And so the same person has to keep keeping up, and feels bad about themselves. This way, I control the pace at the front. I have a few guys along along the line, and if 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 I'm picking it up a bit too fast, or so they're dropping back, I'll get a shout, and I'll just drop the pace off. And uh, so that they enjoy and feel it, the part of what we're doing. And uh, and several of those people have not just completed my um, my sport, but there's another ride which I part. Um, which is called the Great Kent Cycle Ride, which is a three-day tour of Kent. Um, And we do 70 mile a day. Um, And several of those people have completed that three-day event. And it's something they wouldn't have done if they hadn't joined that group. Um, So it's it's, it's really good that you see people, you know, it's really killed them doing that three-day ride. But the smile on their faces um, at the end of it, realising, you know, I can do it. It's it's such a, and I love it because I love seeing that and people coming up and saying cheers mate, um, but it, it again it, it's about just making people feel good about themselves and if you feel good about yourself, you know,
0: it's life's a lot easier if you like yourself. And for many years I didn't. And then tell me about, I mean you've raised a, a stonking great amount for for help for heroes. So, so tell us how much you've raised over these years. Uh, Four
1: hundred and eighty six thousand. I'm in my. Um, You've got to get fourteen grand
0: to get to the half million, mm. which is I'm hoping to get this year. Yeah, that's 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 really really impressive. That's that's a, an enormous amount of money to have raised. Well, you know, I mean, it's yes, it is, and I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not trying to decry it
1: or anything, but raising that money, and most of that's been done on a bike and 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 organising events around that sort of thing. Um. When you see what that money's been done by help, uh, been used for by help for Heroes to um, help and support guys who've been horrendously injured in, in Afghan or, or whatever, or guys who've got really bad mental health issues, and, and how Healthy Heroes has helped them. My way of recovery was my bike and raising money and, and knowing that that money's been put to good use. That's actually, it's been my recovery pathway. I I haven't really asked for help from anybody. It's been the way that I felt good about myself, that I was doing something for somebody else. And at the same time, it was making a difference to my life. So um, I could almost say it was was selfish because it was really about me and and me getting better. And and that's the way I found it um, enabled me to, to move on um, and not, not, what's the word? Um,
0: and just get better. Yeah, it just may get better. Now that fourteen thousand that you've you've got to to raise to to hit that magic figure it looks as, yeah. as though it'll be pretty easy to, to to reach on your next challenge, which well, not not the Portugal one, um, but the the one where you're going across Europe. So so tell us your your, your plans for that in, in 2020.
1: Yeah, I have a, a, a pal of mine, uh, Lee Patmore, who uh, five years ago had never been... First of all, he, he was uh, medically discharged from the Royal Navy um, for a pretty severe back injury. Um, and in the time when he came out, he then developed uh, fibra, fibromyalgia, which is a pretty debilitating um, de- disease. Um, and he, because of that, he developed mental health issues and everything. And he had contacted me when I did my first um, cycle for Heroes, my first sportive, the first year, and said, look, I've, I've never done anything like this, but I can get, borrow a, a hand bike. Can I? Can I come along with you? And I says, yeah, right, mate. And he he came along on the day. And I didn't know he'd never done more than 5Ks on this bike. And it was a 60-mile ride. And he got through it. When he told me halfway around that he'd never done more than 5Ks on a bike before, like, you know, I didn't have him around the back of the head, like, you know, lucky he had a helmet on. But he got it, got through it. And when he went home, he, he a couple of days later, he contacted me. He says, I want to do Land's End to John O'Groats. I said, you're joking, son. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's... a." Big, big challenge. He went, no, I want to do it. I said, all right, well, let me think about it. I said, I'll come back to you. And that was uh, a couple of years ago when Help for Heroes was, was in its 10th year. And I thought, well, let's do that. And we'll do Jennifer Grosso but we'll visit all the Help for Heroes recovery centres en route. And the following year... We, we did it, and we, we actually rode 1,400 miles from John O'Groats to Land's End, visiting Conan down the northeast coast of the, of the UK and, and, and down to Chatham in Kent and then whatever. So we did 1,400 miles, and then last year I took them on an 800-mile ride. And, and so this year, or for next year, I, I'm looking for challenges to do. And there's a, a cycle route called the Eurovelo 6, and it goes from Saint-Nazaire on the Atlantic coast of France to, um, I can't remember the name of the town, but to the Black Sea. And it passed through nine European countries. And I thought, that's the one? Constantia. Yeah, Constantia mm-hmm. on, uh, on the Black Sea coast in Romania. Constantia. This, Romania. Um, Is that it? Con- Constanta? Hmm. Instead, like. <laughs> oh, That canny. yeah, yeah. But um, and I thought, you know, I mean, that's already a route that's been fully signposted. It takes us on quiet roads and on, on cycle paths and everything. Um, and for Lee, it couldn't take him up into the Alps, so it, it's it's relatively fat, but it means we've got to, we're going to do it in twenty two days, and it's it's two thousand one hundred seventy five miles long. I'm going to do it in 22 days, so about 100 miles a day. Um, and we're going to go and ride it. And uh, How's hopefully- the riding
0: between you two? Because a hand cycle and an ordinary bike, they're, they're different machines, clearly. And yeah. different speeds. You, 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 how do you cope with, with the, the differentials there? Well, on the flat... Once, it, once he gets the thing up to speed,
1: because he's got he's so low down, he's got very little wind resistance, mm. and they move. They oh, he's cheating then. They're, they're shit. They ring really mm. shift, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and if you get it on a downhill, you know they fly. He when we were coming out of um, Scotland mm. off the Glen, um, not Glenshi Pass, that's a known Ireland, but uh, I can't remember. But he was hitting 50, 55 mile an hour, and. Once I get over 40, 45 mile an hour, then I'm starting to panic a little bit. So I can't keep up with him downhill. And then when he hits the flat, he just maintains that speed. And I'm having to chase him down. When he hits a hill, then he slows down. Gravity really pulls on him. Um, but no, on the flat, we can we can ball along. And I've said, well, look, what we've got to do, we, we, we'll look at riding eight hours a day at about 12 and a half miles an hour average. Um for the first few days, let's see how we get on. and If we can pick up the pace a little bit, we'll do that. But we're really aiming to say, look, we're going to be in the saddle every day for 22 days for eight hours. That's what we're going to do. Um, and uh, if we can stick to 12 and a half, 13 mile an hour, we should be fine. You know, I mean, the real difficulty of that challenge is, is not 100 mile and then next year 100 mile, it's six days down the line, 100 mile. 100 mile. Remember, he's having to use his arms um, to to power his bike. But you know, it's mm-hmm. it's a challenge to and what's the point of doing a challenge if it's not gonna push you? And it looks absolutely beautiful that the, the cities and the area we're going through um looks absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. We have a um, a support group, two guys. Yeah. It looks absolutely gorgeous.
0: Yeah, but Budapest, Vienna, yeah, it looks lovely, doesn't it? Lots of that's, rivers there, I can unique. see. I mean you you're basically going through a lot of river valleys there aren't we'll go you? We've got through the Loire I think so it, it looks like you're going uh, through the the yeah
1: and we we end up we have go through the Danube um and whatever so it's it literally is following the river valleys and it, to me it just seems you know I mean the challenge isn't in isn't you know I mean it's it's not a massively hilly route or anything. it's getting on a bike every day for 22 days and seeing how Lee got may me next year so I'm yeah, calling it the, the 2020 challenge, so a cycle to recovery, and that's in but, May, uh, May. Is it 20, when are you doing that?
0: 2020 yeah. miles in 2020, two veterans
1: cycling 20 two, uh, 20, mm-hmm. 2020 miles to raise 20,020 pounds for help for heroes.
0: And I believe, Steve, I believe you're the biggest fundraiser for help for heroes, individual. Yeah, individual
1: fundraiser. Yeah, in 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 the in the the, uh, charity's history, but it's because it's it's but it's been it's what's really made me better. You know that that's simple fact. It it's made me. That's been my recovery, Um, and I will continue doing it because I enjoy raising money for them. I enjoy my cycling. I enjoy putting events on. In fact, uh, in um, on the first of November, I've got Mark Ormond. Um down in Kent, and you know Mark Beaumont, who broke the world record for cycling around the world in 78 days and 14 hours. Um, I've got him down here to do a talk um, on that ride and uh, the other things he's done, like the the world penny-farthing record and cycling the length of Africa, world record holder. So he's got to come down and uh, go another event in in support of Healthy for Heroes. Um, So he's going to come and do that, which is excellent. He's also agreed to be one of the patrons of the ride um and along with Tim Kelly Holmes our double olympic gold medal middle distance runner so yeah it's um we're just trying to push it and so we can get beyond that fourteen pound and hit the half
0: million and what does help for heroes what does that do with all that cash what what's describe its work it's work is based around recovery
1: um when a guy comes back from a war zone or, or an accident while he's serving or whatever, and he, he's severely um, injured, maybe an amputee, or he's had a crush injury or whatever. The first thing they've got to do is rehabilitation, and they go to the Defence Rehabilitation Centre. Um, there's a new one. I can't remember where it is, but it's something in the Midlands. midlands, um, and where they are, if they've got to use prosthetics, the the, the shown how to use the prosthetics to get fitter and stronger um, so that they, they can operate with prosthetics because if you're if you, if you have been your legs come off above the knee you've got to learn a different way of walking. So they have to get fit and get them so that's rehabilitation. Healthy heroes comes in on the recovery pathway because once that's been done and you you you're walking again or you're operating, we've got a huge amount of problems from there. Recovering from the mental trauma um, and everything that goes with being severely injured or having mental injuries because of what you've seen. So Health for Heroes is there to support guys through that that pathway. And one of the big things to do is, is uh, sports recovery. Because I've found that if you can get people stronger and fitter, They feel better if you get them cycling and they're cycling with other people because sometimes some of these guys can feel quite isolated. Um, If they're there cycling, and these are girls as well. Like when I say guys, I do mean girl, guys and girls. So it's not just the blokes, but they feel better about themselves and they're sharing their experiences. Um, some may need some education, other courses that will help them with uh, move through into Civvy street, and, and whatever. But that money is is spent on our at our four recovery centres where guys can girls can go to there, run courses and everything like that to enable them in their future lives, which will. A vast majority will be out of the military to be able to move on with the lives and, and
0: live a full and productive and healthy life. Um, and that's how see, it is, it is a charity that, that ben, I, I know about. Not my my dad was actually he was pensioned out of the army in the nineteen fifties. Uh, he was he was actually in stationed in Germany uh after this is after the war, obviously, and uh and he was blown up in a in a a gas station and a petrol station explosion when he was driving a a petrol tanker and he survived but he he was in hospital for many many months with with serious burns and now obviously help for heroes didn't exist back then but he's been through that rehabilitation process when it wasn't quite as as formal and as you know helped with help for heroes right now so you know he's very aware of, of 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 that that charity and the cycling alg- angling for me i'm very aware of, of, of the charity there are many sports that that
1: helper heroes use um to enable people to recover from their physical and mental injuries but cycling's been one of the biggest one of course that's our um our premier event of the year is the big battlefield bike ride where we 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 cycle through the battlefields of of, of, of france and belgium and you know i mean um earlier on this year, just after I'd come back from cycling from Lussock at a Victoria Falls, we did this year's big battlefield bike ride. Um, and um, that game this year was Normandy um, to Paris. Um, and so Help here has, has, has built up over the years this um Thing of cycling, and and so many guys have taken up on it because it's relatively easy to get into. You don't need a, a, a massively lightweight bike; you just need something that's decent that you can get out on and you can ride. Um, and it the beauty of it is, it's because you're outside, you you you're, you're moving your body, you're talking to people, you know, you you can just go out and enjoy being out in the fresh air. And I think a lot of what cycling is about is that is that. It's being out in the fresh air and hearing and listening and smelling different things and and that sort of thing. It's more than just riding the bike and getting fit. It gives you so much more. And, you know, to me, you know, I average, even even if I'm pushing it harder, I might average 15 miles an hour. So I'm no fast bloke or anything. But I don't care. I don't care. I love cycling. And I just try and encourage as many people as possible um, to come along and, and, and join us and, and, and get the benefit of um, what cycling's given to me
0: Thanks to Steve Craddock there He can be found on Twitter at cycle to recovery which is Cycle2, the number 2 Recovery and he has a Just Giving page which I will place in the show notes which as always can be found at the-spokesman.com Thanks for listening to today's show. The next one will be out in a week or so and features the Bartoli 180, a new long-distance one-day bike ride in Italy. Meanwhile, get out there and ride.